1, 2, 6. Why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. While you're going there, um, if you're a member of this church, I want to let you know that you can be extremely proud of the elders that run this church. Uh, this is my fourth time, fourth Sunday being with you guys and around uh, just short of two months. And the way um, Sherwin and Essa and um, all of the, from James to Kareem to, to Brad, the way everyone's taken care of me has honestly humbled me. Their hospitality and the way they've just, you know, I think if there was anyone who didn't deserve it, then it's, it has got to be me. And yet I receive it because um, that's how it comes. So if you're a member of this church, be very proud. You've got a tremendous, tremendous eldership. Um, and then I want to honor Steve in his presence, uh, in his absence as well. He gets back tomorrow, and uh, tomorrow night. And um, he's been in India preaching three times a day. So uh, I tell you what, he's probably going to have some of the most incredible stories. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4? Um, and then before I get going, let me, uh, let me just put into context what I want to say. Tonight, I don't want to speak to you as a pastor. And I don't quite know how to communicate this because I want you to see me as just a Christian. For those of you who don't know, I don't currently work as a pastor. I, uh, I run a business which is uh, an agency, an undercover pastor agency. And I operate as a life coach, but it really is an undercover pastor thing. So I live the way you live. I'm not in the full-time ministry as such anymore. So everything I'm saying to you is the stuff that I've got to live. And um, as I do it, I want to encourage you to live it with me and with us. So you're in Ephesians 4. Meet me in verse 11. It says, And Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors to teach for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why don't you say body of Christ? The body of Christ is the church. So let's read verse 12 like this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying and the building up of the church. Have you got it? Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Uh, go down to verse 15. I know some of you are going to get lost if we just keep going. Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ. Why don't you say grow up? Why don't you nudge a person next to you and say, I'm sure he's talking about you. <laughs> One of the things I've noticed that Christians don't like to do very often is grow up. How many of you have prayed this kind of prayer? Jesus, I give you my life. Whatever you want to do, I use me. How many of you have prayed that prayer? I've got terrible news. He heard. And so when, the, when it feels like the missiles of hell have been forged with you in mind and everything's going wrong, 
Be careful that you don't start rebuking the devil when the devil hasn't even pitched. So, um, and verse 16 says, From whom the whole body, that's the church, from whom the whole church is joined and knit together. Now, how is the church knit together? By what every joint supplies. That's not smoking, that is a living joint. According to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the church. So this beautiful thing called the church is made up of people. The church, the church is people. And the Bible says here that the way it grows is when everyone finds its place and does its share. That's when this thing starts to grow. So this evening I'm wanting to speak to you for a short time on a subject that I've called How to Survive the Church as a Christian. How to Survive the Church as a Christian. How many of you have been hurt in the church? Come on, I've got my feet in the air. If you haven't, won't you put your hands up? Wonderful, your turn's coming. There we go. <laughs> you know, I remember when I got born again and Jesus became real and the love of God came and it was just awesome and you feel His comfort and His joy. And then you're going to go join a church and you automatically assume everyone's going to treat you with that kind of love. And so you go along expecting X. You expect the love. You expect the encouragement. And you go along and it's not too long before what you expected doesn't come. This awesome thing called a pastor is meant to be like a tap in the middle of the desert. When you go to a tap and you turn it, what's meant to come out? Water. When you go to a pastor and you turn him, what's meant to come out? Love. But sometimes you go to some pastors, I've experienced this, and you turn it and no love comes out and you think to yourself, oh! And then they start saying things like, you've got to submit, or you've got an issue. And, and sometimes they're right, make no mistake, but the point I'm making is people are going to hurt you in the church, uh, leaders are going to hurt you, not because they want to very often, but because it happens. And you know what, if you get hurt by somebody who's not a Christian, that hurts, but it's, you can kind of understand it. I mean, they're not saved. When you get hurt by another Christian, yes, that hurts. Because they should know better. But honey, when you get hurt by a pastor, some Christians never get over it. There are many Christians who aren't in church tonight or anymore because pastors have hurt them. Very often, most often, the pastor never intended to. Sometimes they did. But the big question is not who hurt whom. The big question is, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? At the end of the day, that's the big question. God, I'm loving you. I'm living my life for you. I'm giving my tithe. I'm committed. I'm in the church. I'm serving and then this happens, and that happens. God, why did you do it? Then you, when the church hurts you, you start to extrapolate it onto God. 
And so very often if you have a bad experience in the church, you often say something like this, well, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. I think of all of the hurts I've got in my life, without a doubt, the greatest hurts I've ever suffered has been from the church. And I often cried out saying, God, why? I remember being very angry, yay, even bitter. Deeply bitter with the church. Disillusioned with pastors. If, if, so if, if you're angry and bitter, I had timeshare there. I really know what it feels like. We were sent here to plant a church a number of years ago. We were here for seven and a half years. And in the seven and a half years, the pastor who sent me out phoned me three times. Twice to jump on me. We um, were sent out with really no support. And so we, we had to struggle and suffer by ourselves. The one time my uh, son that has been traveling with me the last couple of weeks, um, he was just over one and he began to walk. And uh, as he was walking along on the hot tar here in Durban, um, his feet started to get burned. But he, he loved walking so much that he, he just carried on walking. And at night we'd look under his feet and we would see blisters. And Mary and I would look at each other and... And we, we would cry because we never had the money to buy him shoes. I remember coming home one day, parked in the garage, went through the door into the, the house, couldn't find Mary anywhere. And then I heard a sniffling. And I went into the, to the kitchen and Mary was on her, on her hand, oh, sitting down on her haunches against one of the cupboards, holding, holding the, the Tupperware that had rice in it. And I said, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she said, this is all we've got to eat. We're broke. I'll never forget that. And while we were busy doing this, the pastor who had sent us out had just bought himself a brand new SLK. And then we'd go back to Cape Town to all be together, and guess what? We'd all stand up. We're a family. We're part of a team. We're brothers. How many of you have heard stuff preached and you think to yourself, you don't do that? Or you don't see... That's often the case, isn't it? So why does God allow this stuff to happen? Yeah. So if you've got hurt, I guarantee you, I've got a PhD in hurts. We, um, now I'm not even going to tell more stories. Let me just conclude with this. Imagine how badly you can be abused and neglected and then take another step. And that was where we lived for seven years. And so as a result, day after day, I had to deal with hurt and offense because of big things. Big things. And so I felt very, much, very often like somebody had walked up to me with a knife and cut me. You know when you get really badly hurt, you can feel like that? And as time went on, there was one cut here, one cut there, across my back, across my legs. After seven and a half years of it, I just felt like every part of me was cut. And I remember crying out to God, saying, God, why do you allow this to happen? 
And one night, well, in fact, one morning, um, I had a vision. I was praying with, uh, fasting and praying with a friend of mine. And um, while we were waiting on God, I could see myself walking through what looked like a swampland. The water in the swamp was only about knee deep. And there were lots of trees. And the trunks of the trees were only about sort of so, um, so, so wide. And most of the trees had broken and there were splinters and sharp points. And every step, I would step on splinters. And when I would fall, I'd feel the tree go into my side. And I, I felt like I was living this vision. And it was incredibly painful. And step after step, every time I stepped, there was incredible pain. Until eventually, I suddenly found myself on a river bank. It wasn't a very wide, maybe from here to, to James, it was a, quite a narrow river bank. Kind of grayish, compacted sand. And I remember standing there feeling in agony. And I heard a laugh. A, a loud, roaring laugh. And it was Jesus. Every, when I met Jesus... One of the things that amazed me was that he laughs. So he wasn't laughing at me for what I've come through. But when I heard the laugh, I realized it was him. And as he came up to me, in my mind I thought, he's going to look at me and he's going to say, oh, shame, you could hurt Brad, are you okay? I'm going to deal with those people. You know, that's what I thought. And he came and he stood in front of me. And I remember him examining me, looking around, and then he walked around me, looking at all this, all the hurts and stuff, and then he stopped, and he looked at me and he said these words, Well done. And I thought, Huh? Well, well what? And he said, Well done. And as I looked down, all of the bleeding cuts had suddenly turned into healed scars. And then... Jesus put his arm around me and I remember walking down this riverbank with him and he whispered this to me. He said, where there were no scars, there is no anointing. Where there are no scars, there is no anointing. How can you talk about forgiveness unless you've walked through it? There are people here today You've been badly hurt. I'm focusing specifically on the church. But you know what? Hurts go beyond the church as well. And so maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time, you've had an issue in your heart. You've been angry because of, because of what a pastor said or because of your covering or whatever the case. Or maybe it was a cell leader that did something and it just hurt you. And the way you got over it is you just buried it. So instead of getting better, you got harder. There's a big difference. Getting harder isn't getting better. How many of you can relate to this? Anyone? You just have to be around the church for a while. To realize that it's both the most beautiful place on the planet, while at the same time being the most dangerous place. And it's dangerous because we've got an expectation that when you arrive here, everyone's going to love you and it's going to be fine. And when you get here, 
<laughs> it's not like that. Well, often it is, but it, it's like that to different degrees. And so what do you do with these hurts, with these offenses? Well, here's the thing. When you take a hurt, no matter how big or small, and you just bury it, it's like, it's like you've got your house and there's a spare room. Anyone ever had a, a house, you've got a spare room that no one's sleeping in? And so every box that you don't need, everything you just want to toss away, you just put it into that room. Until one day you get to the door and you can't even open the door anymore because that room is so full. And that's what Christians often do. We'll take the hurts and we'll stick it into the, the spare room of our life and we'll close the door. So long as I don't go there, I'll be fine. It's time to do some spring cleaning. Tonight's, not only the time, but tonight's the time to take those hurts out of the spare room of your life and let's deal with them properly. So the question is, how? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, um, meet me in verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 bucks. Okay, that's my version. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I beg you, and I'll eventually pay, pay you everything I owe. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debts. Won't you underline the word released and forgave? But that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred bucks. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me now all that you owe me, or I'll sort you out. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I'll pay everything to you as soon as I have it. But he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and ticked off and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Let's just stop there. How do you get past a hurt? You've got to forgive. And so here we straight away walk into a couple of roadblocks. Well, Gavin, I'm not going to forgive because that guy doesn't deserve it. 
We need to understand that forgiveness is never given because it's earned or deserved. You don't forgive somebody who hurt you for their sake, you forgive them for your sake. Have you got it? So you need to forgive. Forgiving is releasing. I got you to underline it. It's letting go. James, why don't you come up here quickly? I'm sure you've seen this before. Let me just go through it quickly. If James does something and it offends me, then in a sense what I do is I grab onto him. I've taken offense. I've, why don't you just walk around wherever you want to? Now, wherever he goes, guess what? I am bound. And why don't you stop now? And all the time, all the time I'm bound to him. Just stay there for a second. And you know what happens? In our hearts... When James did something to hurt me, I took him, a little small version of James, put him into a, a little cage, I locked the door and I put the cage into my heart. And every time I remember what he did, I take the cage out and lock the door, take James out, slap him around a little bit, then I put him back and lock the door. And How many of you can relate to that? When you think back to what happened, you just... Hurt and offense binds you. What what are you and I meant to do? Forgive. I want you to walk towards your wife. Now I'm bound to him. When I forgive, I'm free to choose my own course. Ladies and gentlemen, you were born to do something no one else can do. You have got a dream, a God-given dream. The world, Durban today, needs what you are pregnant with right now. You cannot afford to not live your dream. And one of the biggest things that life and the devil will do to stop you living the dream is it will bring in hurts. Bad hurts. Especially in and through the church. And so you're looking around at people and you think to yourself, that pastor should know better. That cell group leader, they should know better. They should never have hurt me like this. Well, guess what? Don't forgive them because they deserve it. They don't. Forgiveness is a fruit of grace. Forgiveness and forgiving somebody is all about you. And you achieving the dream that God put in your heart. As long as you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you aren't choosing the direction of your life. The person who hurt you is. So another thing when it comes to forgiveness is this. I'll forgive him, but I'll never forget. (laughs) And then I say, but that's not really forgiving. And then people will say to me, oh, well, how am I meant to forget? Well, here's the thing. When you were hurt a while ago, that gets stored in your, on the hard drive of your mind in the form of memories. Every memory has got two parts to it. There's an emotional part and a picture part. In other words, when you think back to a happy time in your life, maybe a birthday, for example, and the memory comes back, you will first remember the pictures. You could see it, like in a postcard or a photograph. And then you'll remember the emotions. 
And so, it's, so it is with the hurt. When you got hurt in the church, and you remember it, the pictures come back. You can see where you were standing, and the people were standing, and this pastor or elder or subgroup leader or another Christian, whatever, and you can hear what they're saying. So the pictures come back, and guess what? The emotions, the hurt, comes back as if it's just happened again. And so they say, you know, how am I going to, I can forgive, but I'm never going to forget. It's always going to be there. And do you know what forgiveness, forgiveness brings healing. And healing looks like this. When you think back to what happened, the memory comes back. You see the picture. You see where all the people are. You see the pastor or the elder, whatever, who hurt you. But guess what? The emotions that used to accompany it, the painful emotions, are gone. So you remember the pain's gone. The power of forgiveness doesn't just work in Christians. Most of what I do, work. Most of what I do is with the unsaved. And so very often I deal with people coming through divorce or someone who's been badly hurt or molested. And when you take them through a process of forgiving, it's amazing how there's this freedom that comes. So do you forgive? Yes. What does it do? It cancels. You know when someone hurts you? Something inside of you says, you owe me. Forgiveness is cancelling that debt. Forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness opens the door for God to come through and heal the memory. So that you will have the picture come back, but the hurtful emotions are gone. Don't cover it up. You've now got to dig it up and let's deal with it. And as I've just said, people battle with forgiveness because they think you've got to earn it or deserve it. And they think, well, you know, how can I forget? And you can't forget. And so I want to close with this. There was one particular time, it was about four years into building the church here in Durban. And um, there had been been several hurts. I mean, really, really bad things. We all went to... um, Port Elizabeth at, at one time, we were meeting with another bunch of pastors from another, another movement and we were thinking about amalgamating and uh, it was a really nice bed and breakfast. So we got together there and later on that night, everyone was kind of allocated their rooms and, um, and I heard the pastor say, no Gavin, doesn't need to stay here, let him just send him, send him with your secretary. So I drove off with the pastor's secretary and her husband. And we got to their house. And they had a one-bedroom house that had a storeroom attached. I slept in the storeroom. Another time we were on our way to Joburg, or we got to Joburg, I was part of a conference over there. And um, I arrived at the one pastor's house and... Um, we drove in the garage, you know, got out the car, and I looked down just next to the car, because it was a double garage. There was a Lilo, like an air mattress on the ground, and I still thought, wow, what's this? For three nights, that's where I was sleeping. 
Yes. And so hurt after hurt after being overlooked again and again and again. It got really bad. One time I cried saying, God, what's up? And I phoned a friend to moan. You know, you guys do that. You call it sharing, but it's really moaning. I just want to share this with you in love. You know? And um, he kind of shut me up. I'm very grateful for that. And Nigel told me about a vision that a pastor had had about whom he had heard. And in this vision he said, there was this guy who had been going through so many hurts and he was really badly hurt. And he suddenly had this vision and next to him was a gigantic chunk of marble. And he looked at this marble and as he walked around it, he suddenly heard the sound of hammers and chisels. And there were three sets of hands that were hammering and chiseling this thing all around it. Now let me just go back for a second. This guy had a ministry that was touching lives, changing the church, being a blessing. But there were three men that believed he was of the devil. There were three religious sausages, I believe the theological term is. And so they were going around trying to stop his ministry. They would sit in front trying to put him off. They would organize prayer meetings to pray against this guy. They even started a publication. But of course, the more they said, don't go to this guy, guess what? Everyone went. And they made this guy's life absolute hell. And eventually he's in a hotel room on his knees saying, God, why are you allowing this stuff to happen? And he has this vision of this massive chunk of marble. And you can see three pairs of hands with hammer and chisel smashing and hitting this thing. And bits and pieces are flying. And so he stepped back. And he said as he stepped back, he bumped into the father. And he looked and the father put his hand on his shoulder. And he looked up at his dad and said, Father, who is this? Because the lump of marble quickly turned into the most beautiful statue. And he looked and he marveled and he said, Father, who is this statue? Who is it of? It's beautiful. And the father looked down and said, Son, that's you. That's who I want you to be. And he looked back and he thought, Wow, I'm going to be like, like that? And the father said, Yes. And he said, Please, the men that have chiseled me out, let me go thank them. And the father said, you want to meet them? And he said, yes. And God brought back to his memory these three men that had been hurting him. How can you learn to love until you are first hated? How can you learn to forgive until you are first hurt? How can you learn to be kind unless someone toward you has been the complete opposite? God is at work in your life. Your destiny is to be transformed into the image of Jesus. What are you, what's your purpose in life? To be transformed into the image of Jesus. And for each of us that's going to be something unique. And so if Jesus was persecuted... If Jesus went through hurts, what makes you think you're going to get away with it? Anyone, can anyone relate to this? You're all very quiet tonight. Don't you bow your heads.
someone playing on the keyboard. I don't know who, who that would be. Someone just playing softly in the background, if, if that's possible. Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you here, not because you haven't been here, but Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you never leave us. Holy Spirit, tonight we lift up our hearts before you. We lift up our hurts before you, especially those in the church. Father, we wanted to serve you and follow you, but it seems like one of the biggest hurdles is just being a part of this church. And so, Father God, we ask that today, by your Holy Spirit, you'd come and you'd heal. You'd heal us. You would help us to grow up, to understand that you are busy molding us and shaping us into your image. Won't you forget about the people around you? At this time, examine your heart. We're speaking particularly around the church, but maybe your hurt wasn't from the church. Look in that spare room of your life. Are there hurts that you've stuck there and just pushed away? Are there areas where you've got hard and not better? The elders, with your eyes closed and everyone's heads bowed, I want to encourage all of you folks elders especially to participate in this if you feel led to because the more you're involved in ministry the more you are open to be hurt that's why I'm so I've got such a deep respect for Steve and Janet they're here week in and week out you don't see the cuts and the hurts they've stayed so right now as you look at your life if there are hurts inside of you right now firstly hurts from the church maybe it wasn't this church maybe it was another church but if there have been church hurts then just where you are right now with nobody looking around I'm not going to call anybody out I'm just going to ask just where you are to raise your hand. Great. Just where you are, could I ask you to stand? If you're cool with that, I'm not going to call anyone out. I'm going to ask you to stand if you don't mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to model. Can you just stop just for one moment? But I want you to get going again, alright? Won't you all just look at me? I'm wanting to model something to you that all of us can do for people that we meet, even the unsaved. When you come across people who are hurt, I want to model something that you could do. So here we go. All those folks that are standing up, I want you to think about the man or the woman that hurt you the pastor or elder or deacon or deaconess some churches are deacon possessed you know <clears throat> think about the person who hurt you 
Can, can you remember them? Those people standing up, would you close your eyes? Can you see the person that hurt you? I need you to see them in front of you. And then those people standing aloud, I'm going to ask you to speak some words out aloud. And I'm going to ask everyone else that is seated, won't you, won't you do this as well, just to help them. Firstly, won't you call the name of the person that hurt you? Just between yourself and God. Mention their name. Then I'll pray this after me. Right now. Won't you all speak aloud? Right now. I call on all of heaven and hell. To hear, know and recognize. That I choose to cancel the debt that you owe me. I choose to let you go. And I choose to set you free. You don't deserve it. But, I, but today, I choose to freely give it to you. From this moment onwards, I refuse to keep unforgiveness in my heart. In the name of Jesus. Now just where you are now, if you're standing, why don't you raise your hands. Holy Spirit, right now, even as the hands are raised, just by way of saying, Holy Ghost, I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that even as they have let go of their hurts, Lord, I ask that you would come and that you would heal hurting sore hearts. In the name of Jesus. Lord, where our belief in the church has been damaged, where we've become cynical and hard, Lord Jesus, won't you soften that? Soften that, cause these men and women to believe again in in the body of Christ, Father. Help them to find their place in the church to give the thing that they were meant to give and contribute towards this church. Won't you teach us as your church to deal with hurts and offenses properly? Holy Spirit, I now separate every man and woman standing. I separate them to you in the name of Jesus. You're welcome to stand as long as you want, whatever, just you get alone with the Holy Spirit. As I've been speaking, I could sense the Holy Ghost touching different people. There have been people who've just suddenly started to cry as I've been speaking, and you haven't quite understood why, perhaps, or maybe you have. There's somebody here, as I've been speaking, your hands have been warm, and there's been like a tingling in your hands. For someone else, there was, there was this excitement that gripped your stomach and it almost really, really, yeah, it was that feeling of getting excited, but you didn't know where it came from. If that's you, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants me to lay hands on you and pray for you. So, if you've got the courage, to, I'm going to ask you to come out. Would you mind? I know sometimes people don't enjoy it and they'll come up after the meeting. 
we can pray for you after the meeting, but you know what? During the service now, there's a, there's a corporate anointing. There's something special. If that's you, won't you come out now so we can pray for you? that need to be up here Holy Spirit I ask and I thank you now that you touch hearts that you draw the people that need to be up here I thank you that you draw them out Holy Spirit I pray that you would impart boldness and courage now in the name of Jesus there are four more here there are three more I know getting up in front of a bunch of people can be nerve-wracking. Something happens when you step through fear. I'm going to pray for these folks in the count of three. If you were here and you want to join them, you know it's you. I dare you to get up and walk through your fear. One, two, three. We've got eight. That's right. Could we have all the elders up? Would you would you mind? And the wives. Those standing up, up here tonight, won't you look at me for a second? The hurts that you got, was it from the church? Was whether it was from the church or not I want to say this those of you who were hurt by the church as a leader in the body of Christ I apologize on behalf of the leadership we as a leadership even if it was in another church we never should have hurt you and I ask you to forgive us And now instead of staying mad, let's, let's let go. Today is a new day. If you were here and you were hurt by someone other than the church, I'm going to ask that you, you do the exercise we've just done. So I'm going to ask all of you to close your eyes. Would you mind? And I want you to see in your imagination, I want you to see that person that hurt you. Can you see them? Remember what it felt like to stand in front of them? What did you call that person? Did you have a nickname for them? Was there a special way you addressed them? If it was your father, did you call him father or dad? Or Did you have a special way of referring to him? I need you to look in the mirror, in the television screen of your mind. Can you see that person that hurt you? You can just nod if you're up front. I want you to call their name out, just between you and the Lord. Would you say their name? 
And now repeat this after me. Right now. Those in the front, won't you say this aloud? Right now. In obedience to the word of God. I choose to let go. I choose to release that which you owe me. I cancel the debt. Call their name again. And say this. You never should have hurt me like that. But right now, I choose to give it to Jesus. And I let it go. Holy Spirit, right now, I lift up my hurting heart to you. And I ask you to come and heal me. And I receive that healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Elders, why don't you go ahead and pray for them as you feel led. There's a strong prophetic anointing. Please feel free to go ahead in that as well.